Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor, and you're listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. Welcome to Always Hold On to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman Show, that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host Zach Moore, and I am joined this week by Mr. Daniel Prue. What's up, Daniel? Oh, not too much. Uh, c- can you speak up? I can't quite hear you very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, my attempt to replicate some of the sounds we <laughs> we hear in this episode. Yep talking about whisper this week and you know dan Dan, uh last season we talked about heat so you know i kind of we're kind of you're kind of on that new power discovery uh, episode track so i'm trying to you know sometimes with guests we're like we find a little theme we try to keep that going so that's why you (laughs) that's why you're on this week um it served me well so far but uh i guess we'll we'll see how it goes with this we'll see how it goes you know i I don't want to jump the gun here but i guess i will uh this (laughs) this is my least favorite new power episode because generally, I think they do a really good job with these episodes. This one, not so much. Just just in general, what, where would you like rank this in the echelon of he gets new power episodes? I, I would have to look at a, a list because I don't know them off the top of my head. But I, it definitely seems to me to be the weakest one for sure. Um, I, I forgot a lot of why it's it's not so great. But we'll, we'll get into that, obviously. We will. We will. So in, in Smallville, the official companion, season three by Paul Simpson, available wherever books are sold. Uh, creator Al Goff had this comment. A lot of potentially good ingredients, which didn't make a great cake. He shouldn't have been blind and got super hearing. Clark being blind could have been an episode to itself. And I think that's a great point because I feel like this episode is so packed with things. Like, And, and we'll play the game of what day is it as we talk about this episode. Best I can tell, this takes place over the course of two days. <laughs> Maybe three? Maybe. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to tell. Uh, because Smallville infamous for, for odd timelines and like what day is it? What time of day is it? Because I was, you know, going along with the story and then like 
about halfway through, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry about what happened this morning. I was like, this morning? That was the same day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when Chloe and Lionel's scene, that's at night, even though it's only three hours away. Oh, and... oh yeah. This is the, uh, this might be the first time we get a hard number for distance oh, between Metropolis right, yeah. and Smallville. I don't recall if they said, I mean, they, obviously, it's a distance, right? We take helicopters and whatnot. Um, and then as we get further into the show, uh, Metropolis, it's, well, it gets closer. To small villas. Yeah, three hours about. driving, even though you can see it from a field yes, in the middle of yes, Smallville. I, I don't think that. that computes, but that's okay. I will always hold on to that shot from Nicodemus of them sitting in the <laughs> yeah. sitting in the uh, the windmill, right? Um but another another interesting factoid about this episode and Clark getting super hearing. Did you recall that the WB had a Tarzan TV show? Okay, I do now. I, okay. I, something I hadn't thought of in 10 years so or whatever. But I would have completely forgotten about this, but there is a trailer for it on the Smallville Season 1 DVDs, uh, which came out when Season 3, uh, around the time of Season 3 premiered. Okay. So it's like, it's a little short like trailer. And it's it's kind of the same vein as like, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast would be, you know, the, the one that Kristen Kirk went on to star in, right? It's like a, a modern interpretation as a from a tale as old as time or something, right? And it was like Tarzan, like in the city or whatever. But the reason I bring that up is also in the companion. Uh, Al Goff said we were going to do this. Speaking of superheroing, earlier in the year, but the network, <laughs> the network told us that Tarzan had superheroing. <laughs> we decided that whatever was done on other shows, we do better anyway. Um, so they did, they did it in a way, of course, right? Uh, the Tarzan short lived, uh, it was already off the air by the time whisper was shown. Oh. So, so, so there ended up being no super hearing conflict after all. And I guess they wanted to give Tarzan a superpower. I mean, I thought he was just like really, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, athletic. Yeah, I was just gonna—I was gonna ask, like, where do they pull that from? I don't think that's from the source material at all. But okay, is, is there an animal in the jungle that has super hearing that he, he learned this from? But anyway, that—that that is a—that is a lost show in the annals of of um of the WB. Uh, and I, I doubt you could even—I mean, look it up, guys. I doubt you could even find that on even DVD or or iTunes or or something. Oh, so. I doubt it. Yeah. You know, there's another um, there's another show, and I just this reminds me of, of short-lived shows on WB uh, that have con- uh, somewhat connections uh, to Smallville. Uh, there was a show called The Mountain, right? And it starred uh, Anson Mount, who was in uh, an episode of Smallville season two, uh, Precipice, uh, which is actually directed by the same guy who directed this episode, and he was uh, Lex's fiance's ex boyfriend. And uh, he is now Captain Pike on Star Trek Discovery. Oh, I knew that name sounded familiar. I don't rec. Okay, what what episode was he in? So you know the episode um, where Lex and Helen. This is a very forgettable, not good episode, right? But their their like relationship is like getting like to a to a like a crossroads. It's like okay, we need to either like you know make it official or or go our separate ways, right? Uh, but then her ex boyfriend like comes out of nowhere, and it's one of those like you know lover from the past spurns the current relationship to the next level kind of thing. And this guy, he's like crazy. He smashes his face into a mirror. Um, it's also oh. Sheriff Adams first episode. It's more known for that. That's her first appearance. And then also Clark, be- uh, Clark beats up all these, uh, college jocks who are like picking on Lana. And then she learns like to kickbox from Lex or something. Uh, very forgettable episode, but he was a guest star on it. And I've always kind of kept tabs on him because of that. And here he is popping up on Star Trek. So it's all connected, Dan. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm actually really excited. Uh, he he looks the part. 
mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully hopefully that goes well I'm, I'm a little skeptical about what, what's going to happen in season two but I, I am as well for very very it's you know as star trek fans right it's always like i'm hopeful i'm, I'm hopefully optimistic but i know a lot could go wrong <laughs> so yeah. we'll see yes we will see but i will say that so far the casting has been that that that's good casting right there. Oh, so. he looks so much like Jeffrey Hunter. I'm yeah. very I'm very excited for it, and they they seem to really go. I like that. Uh, he posts a lot of social media stuff, and like they had a whole thing about how they're doing his hair, you know, and like the the whole like Jeffrey Hunter hair. They look great. Anyway, I, I, I'm looking. That alone makes me excited for uh, Discovery to see where they go with that with Captain Pike. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, hey, Smallville, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. <laughs> one other thing I'll say about this episode before we jump into it is I, you know, I'm always talking about how. You know, I imitated Smallville, Smallville imitated me, sort of. You know, it's like a life imitates art and imitates life with this thing. As you know, with your favorite TV shows, this this is what you do, right? And so Clark got glasses in this episode. And because of this, I got glasses around the same time in high school. Uh, because I didn't really, like, up until this point, I didn't really need glasses. But I could tell, like, when I'd squint, I could see, like, clear, you know, like, focusing a camera. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that I have slight stigmatization. So, um, or slight stigmatism. I don't. <laughs> so I'm not sure what the proper optim optimological terminology is, but uh, I'm not near nearsighted or farsighted. I'm just slightly out of focus. So um, I do wear glasses. I'm not. I don't need to wear them all the time in my everyday life. I, I you know, don't wear them, but I enjoy wearing them because it's like the Superman thing. So you know, I can read. I can see. I can legally drive without them. But I know in some pictures of me, you know, people see glasses. They won't see glasses. And yeah, I have glasses. And I first got them in this episode. And unlike Clark, I continued to keep them around. <laughs> After I was going to ask, did you get that? He has very small framed glasses in, in I, this episode. I intentionally got them to look as much like these as possible because I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> On the WB Wednesday. I might have lost my sight, but things are becoming much clearer now. A deception brought to light. I expect a full report on Clark Kent after this day. I met someone. You may never trust again. Boy, how long have you and been looking into my life? Ah! Smallville on the WB Wednesday night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Whisper is the 10th episode of Smallville's third season. It aired on January 21st, 2004. It was written by Ken Horton and directed by Tom Wright. 
And as I said, Tom Wright has directed one other episode of Smallville. He only directed two. And the other being uh, Season 2's Precipice, guest starring Anson Mouth and the new Captain Pike. So it's all connected. Oh, man. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that synergy. That all it's completely out. unplanned. Yeah. Um, so this episode starts out. This is the first. And you got to contextualize this episode, right? This is the first episode after Lana has come back home from being in the hospital from. Uh, getting trampled on by her horse, so she was in physical therapy, but now she's back, and it's like business as usual, sort of. Um, so Clark is outside a jewelry store. He's looking inside it. Lana walks up on the street. They have a little, you know, conversation there. They've been kind of, you know, it's one of these, of course, cl- very Clark and Lana. They're they're want to be together, but they don't. And it's it's actually it's it's not the best scene in my. Oh no! <laughs> it's, it's kind of a weak scene to start with. It was interesting too because you know I'm just watching this these episodes when we review them, so I have, mm-hmm. I have no context for a lot of this stuff, and it felt really heavy in this episode. Like all this drama was like, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at it when I was first watching it, of course. But it come jumping right into the middle of it, you're like, oh my goodness, these people just need to sit down and have a conversation. Together. There was like a series of like three or four scenes with them. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> specifically in this episode, and it just grinds everything to a halt. Um, but she goes on her way and. You know, it's going to be Martha's birthday soon coming up. So Clark wants to get her something at the jewelry store. Um, so he goes in there. He's looking at, I, I do like what he says, because uh, the, the, jewel, the jeweler's like, well, Martha tried these on last time she was here. And Clark's like, well, do you have anything like less than four digits that she might have tried on? I thought that was funny. Because Clark's on a budget, you know, because he just works on a farm. And uh, he, um, as as he's doing this, the jeweler pulls out a, some like a so kryptonite earrings. All right, you like this? It's it, his first weakness is not having any money, and then there, of course, <laughs> it's going to be some kryptonite. And, he, and, and of course, the jeweler is like straight from outer space or whatever. Yeah, so. <laughs> He's like, so from a local jeweler, right? <laughs> but that—that's what. what uh, see, that's that's so odd to me. I, I mean, I guess we'll never know because we haven't had a meteor shower destroy its town, right, in the world that had like jewels in it. But I, I feel like I think you get stuff like the kryptonite uh, earrings here. You get the red kryptonite rings. Like what people really want to be. Like, I don't know. Like, would it be super, super cool and expensive, or would it be so much that it's it becomes nothing? Like, what, what would you would you wear around some meteor rock if it looked cool, Dan? I mean, if they put it in this class rings and stuff, I guess I wouldn't really have a choice. It, it <laughs> makes a certain amount of sense that everybody in this tiny podunk town is trying to get a leg up and just using that resource because it's there and it's not really available anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But, it, of course, it's also super convenient for the plot to constantly have kryptonite show up in every little thing that you could possibly right. think of so while this is going on we have a duo of robbers we'll call one the smasher and one the grabber right he even says i'll you do the smashing i'll do the grabbing right older guy younger guy uh the younger guy we're gonna call banshee for the episode because he's banshee <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm from the x-men yeah. mm-hmm. uh one of the worst freak of the weeks ever in my opinion no personality right you do, you'll get any of his perspective. Uh, he's not the best actor. <laughs> just, just he's just. I don't know. Like no, the guy he, could. He's not. <laughs> like he's, no offense, but it's very one note. It, he's not even the worst actor in this episode, though. I, I want to bring that up when we get to that part. Okay. But um, okay. Uh, yeah, no. He, there's not a lot going on, and this relationship is really weird, and they never explain it. Like it's clear they're not related or anything, or at least I don't think they are. But it's never like explained what's going on with these two people um or why like because it feels like this is their first time doing it right when he's in the car and he's like i'll be i'm okay i'm you smash and i'll grab 
And I don't know, it's just a really weird relationship. I just got weird vibes out of them. Yeah, I, I mean, you would assume it'd be like a, like a father and son team or something, <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's not. So you're like, what is what is their relationship? I I, I guess maybe they both work at the tow factory or the the, the tow truck junkyard together. Oh, maybe yeah. That's the best thing be you have to infer because they don't they don't give you anything. No. So, no. Um, so he goes in there. Banshee does his thing. Uh, everybody's like, "Oh my my ears!" You get this really like weird looking special effect where like his he he does it's it's gross really. He like <laughs> he like moves his Adam apple Adam's apple around and then his lips vibrate and it's really weird. Um, everybody's like, "Oh, holding their ears!" Right? Clark um, wants to stop this guy, uh, but in the in the commotion, right? The the kryptonite earrings go flying in the air, and then Clark uses a heat. I guess I guess well he uses heat vision on. Uh, the grabber, right? Because the Smasher Banshee is doing his thing. The grabber comes in with a gun. Yep. Clark uses the heat vision on the gun, but the kryptonite earrings are flying through the air. His heat vision reflects off them, gives him like this this flash into his eyes, and then he goes blind. Um, interesting concept, right? Because you you might think to yourself, oh, well, this explains why Superman just doesn't heat vision a piece of kryptonite, like stands really far away from it, destroys it, right? Mm-hmm. And and then no more kryptonite, right? But it make, it makes him blind, so he can't. Major problem though. This every other time in the feature of Smallville where this happens, there's there's no problem. Like I I can't cite specific examples other than one I know for a fact. Uh, when Supergirl spoilers shows up on the show, <laughs> she saves him from some kryptonite by destroying him with heat vision. I'm like. Did you guys not watch season three, episode ten, Whisper? That yeah. <laughs> she should have gotten blind from that. And anyway, uh, what what did you think about this conceit that he, you know, heat vision on plus kryptonite equals blindness for Clark? So I agree, it's an interesting kind of concept. It's it feels clumsy in its execution only because it's like, okay, what are the chances that <laughs> that he's they just happen to be floating midair where he's shooting his his heat vision at the right angle, you know? Um, and then, but like if he was intentionally doing it, like you're saying, like he was trying to use his heat vision to do it on purpose and it reflected back, that kind of would make more sense. It would feel more natural. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now. I guess he's going to be <laughs> blind. Um, but but I do like the idea that the reflection could cause him harm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And an interesting way to use kryptonite that we don't normally see. That's true. That's true. But it, uh I do. I don't know how they would do it. Like if he's just, like some episode starts out with him just hanging out on the farm. Like you know what, guys, <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> like he tries to destroy it with his vision. It does. This is a very dramatic moment. And of course, you know, uh, alarms go off. You know, the 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 nice old uh, the nice old jeweler pulls out a gun. <laughs> it like stops the guy from robbing the place. Um, Lana comes in. She's like, Clark, Clark, you okay? Because she was just down the street. He's like, Lana, I'm blind. He's like, somebody save me. Yeah. Like, that's, the, that's the hook, right? That he's yeah. blind. And what is this with this show and blindness, right? Lionel went blind last season. Clark's blind now. So anyway, we cut back uh, from the opening credits. The, the kids are at home. Uh, I do like that Clark is in good spirits about this. I like that he's he's not. Clark is one, I mean, he's one. He's a moper in this show For sure. more often than not, right? And I like he has an optimistic attitude about it. Huh? I, I totally agree. I I half almost thought it was out of character for him. Because like you say, he complains all the time. But this felt more of a Superman attitude towards like an event like this taking place where he's like, okay, I'm just going to make the best out of this situation. And, you know, he's he's making lighthearted jokes about it with people. Mm-hmm. And he's like really like 
he, I mean, very quickly accepts this as his new life. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. And almost almost too quickly, because then we start getting into like, okay, things are moving really fast yep. <laughs> in this episode. Because we the, the next scene we get from this is uh, Pete and Clark at school kind of getting all his things because he's going to be, you know, take a break, assumably, from school for a while. Uh, and he's wearing sunglasses, right? And they're, and this is this is strike one in the okay Clark Kent glasses <laughs> situation because obviously he's wearing sunglasses right and that sh- that I don't know like I feel like maybe they should have made a joke like hey who's that guy I don't recognize him I don't know maybe that's too on the nose but uh, some of those, yeah it's notorious notorious for being on the nose about this kind of thing right sure um, but they go um, they go to uh, his locker to get all this stuff Lana comes by she's uh, this is another just bad scene <laughs> between them i thought just very forced drama because and then but but clark's be, kind of being a jerk to her here oh yeah love you because she she's honestly just saying hey you know when i went through my accident blah 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 and he's like oh thanks lana but i mean he just blows her off basically and she's like okay well uh just trying to help i guess i won't make that make, make that mistake again yeah it's very difficult to be sympathetic to clark in that scene like because like he hasn't been shown to be better up to this point mm-hmm. and it's like um clearly she was just like hey you just went blind man like how are you doing and he comes off really aggressive in that scene i, I guess that's balancing out his his optimism in the previous scene with his parents yeah maybe he is <laughs> maybe he is like secretly bitter and uh yeah just taking it out on lana but on a brave front yeah. uh so pete mentions that the guy who uh the grabber from the jewelry store, it's going to be on uh, his mom's court docket, and and they, she's going to hit him hard with the law. So this is, I think, this is the first time we find out that Pete's mom is a judge. Uh, to my knowledge, you know, because Pete's family, we've heard about his brothers and his dad, or this or that. Uh, we'll we'll talk more about her when she shows up, but we'll have we'll have some things to say about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then uh, then uh, super hearing kicks in. Right, Clark's in the hallway. He hears like we get all the same tropes you've seen in Daredevil, like the movie before this and the TV show after this. <laughs> you know, this this overwhelming. I hear this and that, and kind of like in Man of Steel, right, where he's like overwhelmed by all these sounds. You get the close-ups of feet and you know lockers being turned, zippers being being done, this kind of thing. Yeah, it was. I will say it was much better done in Man of Steel than here. Yes, here in Smallville. Yes. But well, uh, you know, they have a budget and all that. But even that aside, just the way it was translated here, and I, I gotta say, like this is. They they uh, they experiment with the super hearing sound effect as far as the show goes. Like uh, here, you see like you get eardrum, you see like the the zoom in on the the, the CSI right, yep. <laughs> kind yep. of zoom into his body. You see the eardrum going. That's okay. Like I'm like okay, I, I get what you're going for with that. But then we also get these like really really weird like zoom ins to like people's mouths and yeah. what were your thoughts on that dan the close-ups were very strange like there was one of the, the zipper that was like out of focus and i couldn't even tell it was moving it just looked like a picture of a zipper and yeah it was just like yeah i, I there are ways to do it and even in small they do it better later on mm-hmm. um but it just it just felt clumsy and weird to me you're right. Later on, I, I think my favorite of all these, because they introduce it a little later, is you see like sound waves going in his ear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, I get that. That's all I need to see. Yeah. Uh, although I will I will say this. They, 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 as they said, Clark being blind could have been its own thing, you know, and use his other senses to re- do that and to kind of combine them as a wasted opportunity. I, you know, I kind of disagree. I, I like that that's just a reason why his super hearing kicks in is because it's like, like they say in the episode, it's his body making up for his lost sense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, of course, at that point, it would just never go away. That's a really <laughs> good excuse, I think, for him to get that super hearing power. See, I always, and this is maybe the reason why I don't necessarily like this episode. I don't think this is a this is a, a, a uh, like achievement unlocked, right? Super hearing. I think this should have been something much like his strength or speed, something he just always had, like bet, like he he's bet he has acute more acute senses, you know. And as he grew older, they got better and better. Like there wasn't an episode where he discovered he could run really fast, right? Or discovered he was really strong. So, and there were other previous episodes to this where like it was. Like they hadn't really, maybe they hadn't decided what they're going to do with superhearing or not. They just knew it was a power the Superman had. Well, but like you, you see that he hears things that others don't. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, remember too that that um, he, in Heat he's triggered by a very specific thing as well. So <laughs> it, this certainly has precedent um, for that sort of thing. And I, I think I can see what you're saying, where like basically he just gets more and more powerful as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that they would have to account for. And they do sometimes in the future and they drop the ball more often than not is having super hearing makes it difficult to keep secrets from Clark, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, there would be a lot of things that he would uh, have not missed out on from before this. True. True. Yeah. I can, to- I can totally see both sides. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, speaking of keeping secrets from Clark, uh, the thing that, of course, the one thing that he zeroes in on yeah. <laughs> um, is Chloe talking to Lionel Luther on the phone. Uh, and again, we, we start out with this really weird mouth <laughs> close up and it's kind of unsettling. It's weird. It's awkward. I don't like it. And, um, it's them having a conversation. Again, he's pressuring her for, for information on Clark. And she says that she's given everything he has and she's not giving him any more. And he's you know threatening her and she's, you know, lots of things are said here. Um, Specifically, they start talking about Lex because she had gone to Lex before, and then Lex obviously had, you know, um, Lionel had instituted his plan to get his mind wiped and him declared insane and all that, and that's 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 done, right? But he's back at LuthorCorp, and Lionel makes a specific specific phrase that comes up many times in this episode that his new position is just sharpening pencils, yeah, and that that will come back to haunt Clark and Chloe the rest of this episode, um, based off the way they chose to keep communicating that information. Um, but he says something about like I need I want a full report on Clark Kent by the end of the week. But then this alarm goes off and it, like throws Clark's super hearing all out of whack. And um, but you know of all this, the everything that goes in this scene, the thing that stuck out to me most is Chloe's walking through the halls of a high school on a cell phone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I thought she'd be like in the torch office or something, but no, she's just walking through the halls with a cell phone, which you know. Uh, was not allowed. I don't know what the rules are these days, but certainly in this era, because I was in high school at the same time, uh, you, you, you could not be seen with a cell phone. That thing's going to be confiscated. Yeah. You know, well, first off, I got to say, and I'm, I'm not sure if you've addressed this on the show or not yet, but I, I was a little sad to see Allison Mack, what with, you know, the recent news and stuff. It, it is it is a different vibe when um, you watch these scenes now, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's just too bad. Um, and hopefully... I don't even know what to say. Hopefully everything turns out all week. Okay. At this point, but, um, so it was a little weird to do that, but uh, man, I do love Lionel at peak Lionel. Like, yes, he, this is like awesome manipulative proto Lex Lionel that I love to see. And it's so good to see him here just manipulating the heck out of a teenage girl for whatever he wants. You know, mm-hmm. I like that throughout the whole episode, really. Uh, and their, their whole subplot is great throughout the whole season. Uh, Chloe and Lionel, and they continue to have their two characters continue to have these great interactions throughout the whole show. They just play off each other well as actors and, and characters. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's but that's where we leave that. We'll, we we will come back to that 
subplot of this episode in a bit. But, you know, Clark tells Pete, uh, Pete, you need to get out of here. Something's come up. But as they leave, we see that Banshee is a student at Small High School. He's not just some guy that works at a tow truck <laughs> company or a junkyard. He's apparently a student, which, again, as you said, <laughs> makes the relationship with the other guy really just weird. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, he, he's there. That's all we see of him. Um, Clark is uh, talking to his parents about uh, you know the, the, the superheroing thing. Uh, and, and they start to talk more about it. He mentions that he overheard Chloe talking to Lionel about him. And it didn't sound like it was the first time, right? But before they can get, before they can get any deeper than that, Lex shows up, right? And uh, they have a conversation. And it, you know, it does, it it does work because Lex has just gotten over, well, <laughs> gotten over being quote unquote crazy <laughs> mm. uh, out of his own institution that whole episode. So he has, you know, he has something to relate to Clark about people looking at you different, you know, um, because you know there's a there's a middle age, dark age stigma about being insane, or you said something along those lines. Yeah, it was a good line. I liked that. Absolutely. And then Clark, uh, bad move here, Clark. He kind of sells out Chloe kind of unintentionally, but he's probably mad at her for talking about him with Lionel. Uh, but he uses that same phrase about sharpening pencils. He's like, Lex, you think, because uh, Lex says, oh, yeah, my offer, my father offered me my position Luther Corp back. I'm going to take it. And uh, Clark's like, do you think it's offers for real? Uh, word on the street is, or I heard, or something like that. Like, it's bogus, and... He just wants to have you sharpening pencils, and Lex is like, yeah. "Well, who told you that?" It's like, "What? Well, why? Why even go there with this?" It's I. I was so frustrated at Clark. Like, why the heck did you even just say that? You you're you know <laughs> you're not supposed to know this information, man. Like, have one percent tact because this is crazy that you're just literally giving out every little piece of information that you had. But that is in character for him. That right? is in yes. He he's <laughs> he's very bumbling in that way for sure. <laughs> Oh man, and the, but and this is great. I, 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 you know, because uh, you need to be careful, right? That's like take a shot whenever Jonathan says that. Hear Clark sing it to Lex. He says, "You need to be careful." Uh, and I wanted to add, like, "Son," at the end of it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's where they leave their scene. So Lex is uh, obviously this has raised his suspicions, and that, that these subplots. I, I'll say this. I mean, they did a good job to at least tie all these plots together. Um, although usually. Uh, a weak episode can be saved by a good Luther subplot when that subplot has nothing to do with the A plot. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then we cut to the Kents having a conversation about Clark. And this is a good, like, real-world parenting moment between them, which we, you know, get to see in these early seasons. Martha drops the line, you both think you're Superman. Right? Yeah, yeah. But talking about, you know, yeah. how Clark is... I mean, she's mad, and, and understandably so, because Clark's kind of... He's kind of still in denial about this whole situation. I think that's why he's coping so well. Mm-hmm. And then Jonathan is also kind of in denial because he's like, oh, just, you know, working hard and doing all this stuff. Uh, and he's like, oh, I can do it. And she, she suggests, you know, hiring some extra help. And he's like, well, Martha, we can barely pay the bills. I'm like, why are we still talking about this? Why? <laughs> what? what bills? Yeah. I thought Lex, like, bought the farm or something, you know? Um, and then, again, this, fam- this, <laughs> this farm has been in their family for, for generations. And they're still, well, I don't understand... I mean, I've never worked on a farm. I just don't know why they're always in financial difficulty here. Always. Always and forever. Yeah, I don't I don't know why either. But Clark, you know, he overhears this whole thing and kind of adds to his adds adds to his guilt, you know, feeling bad about the whole situation. Um and then we cut to Lex and Letta at the mansion and she's coming to talk to him about the her hospital bills. They've all been paid, you know. 
and they uh, Lex says that you know it's the least he could do because he caused her injury, and that all that all tracks, you know. But I feel like I feel like the main reason they're talking, uh, well, oh gosh, <laughs> taking a cliche Smallville dialogue yet again, take another shot, right? But she says, Lex, you weren't you you, you weren't yourself. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. man, that is that is Smallville one hundred and one. That's like in the the writer's bible. They have to put that in at least half the episodes every season. Someone is quote unquote not themselves. But uh, the real the real conversation here is he asks her who who Adam is, right? Like who's Adam? And she's like, oh, he's a friend I met at at the hospital and in, in physical therapy. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. She had got him some you know gift baskets to get better and stuff. I think that's you know we mentioned him here and then we mentioned him later in the last scene and. Uh, that's Ian Summerhalder's new new character, who's in the you know the uh, the bulk of the rest of season three. So we're just even though he's not in this episode, they want to just keep keep uh, him in viewers' minds, so they, they're not confused about this this guy we we see every other episode or so. So that's really all there is to that scene. Also, you know, a lot of mentions that Clark wasn't there, and you know, Lex kind of still being the Clark cheerleader, like wants them to. You know, hey, give him a chance, talk or whatever. You know, just, just, just very basic. The, the scene could have been like any episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there was like a, like if there was like an AI that writ that wrote Smallville scripts, this would have that you <laughs> could expect that they would have wrote this scene for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Oh man. <clears throat> so the next scene, Chloe and Clark, right? Um, she comes to check in on him, obviously because of his blindness. Did you notice how close she parked to the barn? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> she's like pulled up to the door, like could not go any further. She's like an inch away from the door. Was is it a product placement thing with Volkswagen where he had to see the car? I don't know. <laughs> but usually when somebody comes to visit, we don't have to see their car in the doorway. But I, I, I will say there's one thing I do appreciate about this scene um, is that Clark learns this information and immediately confronts Chloe. There's no like six episode arc of knowing and you know trying to not pretend like you don't know but and dragging out that sort of drama i like that they just get it out there right away and he's like immediately calls her out on it so that was good yeah as fast paced as this episode is and so much is going on that is a a plus at least in this instance because you're right usually be like okay now i know that she knows but does she know that i know that she knows (laughs) you know that kind of whole number and yeah she mentions her daily planet column and then that's the perfect like that's the perfect in, right? For him to say the one you mean the one Lionel Luther got you. I'm like, well, and I really liked how assertive he is here, right? Because he's so again, right? He's mopey a lot, and he's not assertive a lot. And in this episode, he's optimistic. Well, most of the time, and he's very just like take charge and not taking any BS. And this scene between the two of them, and I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so much more direct than Smallville is ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> it really feels good that he's like just like I, I'm. He he's upset at her for an, an actual reason that somebody would be upset at somebody. This isn't contrived drama. This is actual character drama. And, you know, he's just calling her right out on her her hypocrisy. And it's it really just because there, there's so many times in Smallville where you're so frustrated. We're like, just tell the person and have a conversation. But and then it's exactly what they're doing here. So the, <laughs> the the Smallville A.I., would not have written this scene. No, no, saying, right? it would not have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love, I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that <laughs> moving forward. If a scene, if the Smallville AI could have written that scene, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then, of course, she has to drop that. Well, I was trying to help you. Like that is such BS. That's like Lex, something Lex would say, right? It's like, oh, Clark, I know this looks bad, but I was, I was trying. I had your best interest at heart. I'm like, yeah, you're just trying to save your ass there. So, anyway, uh, we get Pete. He, uh, Pete is back to his cool convertible. 
Uh, we had seen that in earlier in season two and, and it's season one as well. And, uh, and I had to think, well, why do these cars change? And, oh, that's right. His car got blown up in the episode suspect. <laughs> as they do. You uh, know. Yeah. As you, as you do on Smallville, lots of car accidents, right? So I don't know the Rosses, you know, maybe they have a lot of cars. I don't know, but anyway, yeah, uh, he's in his cool convertible, but, uh, it's, uh, all <laughs> doesn't last long, right? Because, you know, Clark and Peter having a, having a scene here and, uh, Pete, Pete drops the term mega hearing. I guess they didn't. Did they not want to go that far and say super hearing? <laughs> I did. It felt like a Peteism, so it's yeah. okay. I, I was cool with it. But uh, but yeah, Banshee shows up in uh, in the <laughs> in the whatever like, tow truck company, the towing truck, whatever. And Clark recognizes the sound because um, uh, like, oh, what is that? Did somebody follow you? Because he hears these chains, and that's a you know a clue that will help him later on the episode. But he uh, Banshee comes out and uh, does his sound thing, incapacitates Clark, uh, Pete, and grabs Pete, drives off with him, and it shatters all the windows of Pete's convertible. So I guess next time you see him, he back to one of those other <laughs> one of those other sports cars. So that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, but again, very one note. Like he's like Pete Ross, come with me, and then it takes him away. It's like that, what a lame villain, right? Yeah, he is super lame. And then and Clark, rightly so, is just like, hey Pete, who is it? And, you know, you Pete should just be like, oh, it's stupid Connor or whatever, you know, whoever he is. And but he doesn't just because yeah, like, reasons. could you could you read the number of the tow truck <laughs> to me? Right. I mean, there's a freaking this guy is going to kidnap someone in a vehicle which has a business name and number on it. Yep. Like <laughs> that is poor, th- poor thinking, very identifiable car. And I know I know that Pete like is trying to deal with Clark because Clark's kind of like incapacitated from hearing the chain super loud. But. There's still a super long driveway between when the car is coming and where they are. So Pete could have at least been like, oh, you're hearing this giant tow truck that's coming towards us right now. You know, just to at least tip him off a little bit. But we can't do that for reasons. So I did like in the next scene because Sheriff Adams is talking to the kids and and she refers to what Clark has to say as his ear witness testimony. (laughs) So she also mentions that Smallville has 45,000 people in it, which is probably what the sign says. I don't recall. But wow, that is not really a small town, <laughs> you know, uh, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's small-ish. I don't know. It, I, I guess it does feel like it should have less people than that. The main, the main part of this scene is Judge Ross comes over to the Kins. And who is Judge Ross being played by? But no, no one other than Felicia M. Bell. So how do we as Star Trek fans, Dan, know Felicia M. Bell? That's a great question because I don't recognize her at all. You serious? I don't. Are you serious? I am so I'm taking away your Star Trek fan card. I know you're more of a TNG guy. All right, that's fine. But this is Jennifer Cisco from D Space Nine, man. Oh my goodness. I did not <laughs> recognize her. It's the hair. It's definitely it the hair. She has some radical hair. It looks very different than her appearance as uh Jennifer Cisco on D Space Nine. But yeah, so this is Captain Cisco's wife on, on D Space Nine. Oh she dies my in the pilot. Goodness. Um she- killed in the Battle of Wolf three five nine. Which you didn't see on TNG, you got to see on DS9. Uh, she comes back in like you know uh, some flashbacks, then also the Mirror Universe episodes of D Space Nine. Anyway, when I saw her, I was like, "Oh my god, it's it's Jennifer Cisco!" Wow, I can't believe that I didn't even see it as uh, as Jennifer Cisco. Yeah, I gotta be. I'll be honest with you though. I I, I teased this a little bit earlier, and, and man, by far some of the worst acting I I think I've ever seen. Uh, so she's the one. Yes, she's the one. she was the one. <laughs> What what makes you say that? What makes you say that? I I don't know. Like that scene when she's what we're talking about here when she's in the kitchen and she's talking mm-hmm. about 
her kidnapped son. I just, there was no emotion there. Like she was just a blank slate. And I don't remember specifically thinking she was, the the acting was bad in Deep Space Nine. So maybe it was just Mm -hmm. this, this bit here, but man, no, it it was rough. Uh, Well, maybe, maybe they didn't, maybe that's why we never saw Pete's mom again. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that. that Obviously Pete leaves after this, this season, but still like, you know, we hear so much about Pete's family and, and this is the only time we see any of his other family members. Also, you know, Pete has, he has like four brothers, maybe. He has a big family. I know he's mentioned before, like his mom should look older. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think she looks, she looks pretty young to have five kids, but hey, good for her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, and pretty young to be a judge too. Yeah. Right. And then, okay. So conflict of interest here, right? Like would they, would they not just move this guy's like uh, to a different docket? Yeah. This like trying to ransom a judge for... <laughs> Like this is not something you can do in real world. Like they would no no one would ever grant someone. Uh, this is the craziest scenario I, t- I think that they could possibly have come up with. Like, <laughs> it, and and it's an open it's an open secret too. It's not like they called her and like it's on the DL right. The cops know about it and yeah. they're openly discussing it. Yeah. No. So you don't know. That's not, that's not how negotiations work. Like that's, <laughs> that's not how the force works. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So yeah, so so many many problems <laughs> with this scene and, and subplot. Uh, so Clark overhears all this, right? And basically, bottom line, if she does not drop all charges against the grabber who was in custody, uh, then the Smasher Banshee is going to kill Pete. Um, so now line. he is willing to kill someone for this man. For whatever reason, again, we're not sh- sure what the relationship is, but it's <laughs> it's deepening at least at this point. What the mystery? Hey, man, uh, coworkers, you know, they spend a lot of late hours together. They're, <laughs> they're they're friends. You know, you bond over things, right? So, you know, who knows? I would not kill anyone for any. I would not. First of all, I wouldn't kill anyone. Period. Certainly, not going to kill anyone for a coworker. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. So anyway, Clark understands that. Okay, like stuff's getting real. You know. So he he turns on. Uh, he's in the farm and he turns on like all the farm equipment. And he's trying to focus on like a radio and stuff. And his parents come in and they're like, Clark, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to focus. And they're like, well, I guess it's not working very well or, or whatever. And this is very, this is very daredevil, right? Oh yeah. I, I like this scene though. It was done pretty well, I thought. And it's a good, it's a good way to kind of show him really, the, you know, the same thing with the heat vision where they set up a scenario for him before he has to go out in the real world and save lives with it. He like, where he's got to hone it. And I, I like right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Jonathan, like he says, now I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to count this as an episode title set an episode because the episode's called whisper and you know, he he's whispering, right. And Clark's like, you know, trying to hear him. And, uh, he's like, Oh dad, for, for, for a second, I did hear you. He's like, Oh, I was barely whispering. So he says whispering, not whisper. And if I'm going to count the actual words, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not going to count, you know, other, other, ter- other verbiage. Sure, <laughs> so sure. even though he says whispering, we're not going to count that it says whisper. So argue about it in the comments or whatever, but that, that's not an episode <laughs> title said an episode. Um, this does go really quick though. He does master this very quickly, but he masters. I mean, that is par for the course, right? He masters heat vision very quickly. He masters x-ray vision very quickly because, you know, good thing that he masters the exact thing he needs for this, <laughs> For this particular situation, right? yeah, for this exact scenario, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but but you're right; it's a good scene, like a you know a family bonding moment of of them you know getting through an obstacle with his powers together. So uh, cut to Lex and Lionel. Um, Lionel has been summoned to Luther Mansion. Lex confronts him 
um, about uh, his job being a sham. He uses again uses the exact words of sharpening pencils, which you know tells Lionel that okay, well, it must have been Chloe. Uh, way to go. Lex accuses Lionel. He's like, "What? Am I gonna have to prove myself every day?" I really, I do like what Lionel has to say. He is manipulating, but he is true. He's like, "Well, unfortunately, we have to prove ourselves every day." <laughs> like that's that's actually very true, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also a way to keep Lex down. So of course, of course. But it's a classic, you know, Lex Lionel scene, elevating the material and 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 a great uh, great scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then you know we have Jonathan and Clark go into town, and. Jonathan goes into like a store or something. Clark is uh, sitting in the truck, and I go, well, I guess they're looking for Pete. I guess is the idea. Um, but then Lana pops in, you know, as you do. You see your blind friend sitting in a car. You just you know jump in the <laughs> Hop car in with the driver's him. seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. The vibe of the scene is like him. You know, I did like how Clark apologizes. He's like, Lana, I apologize earlier. You know, I was in a bad place and. You know, I'm surprised with all the way I've acted that you didn't run away a long time ago. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a good point. I like how Clark is kind of owning him being a jerk earlier. But but the key here, Dan, is he says this morning, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hold up. So this is like day two. Like if we say the opening scene in the jewelry store robbery was day one, right? Okay. This is day two because I assume like the next day he went to school with sunglasses, and uh, now this everything we've seen. Because remember that Lana scene took place in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it was that same day. So everything we've seen from then to now is the same day. Uh, uh, the grabber guy, he's in court. He's gonna have a sentencing immediately, like the next day. The next day, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't ju- even think about that. But yeah. Swift justice in a small town, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and they're gonna kill Pete like tomorrow or something. So this whole episode is like a three day span. Uh, very quick, which is around, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then with, not to mention all the stuff that Clark goes through. So on this on this same day or the next day, he goes to the optometrist. We'll get to that in a second. But it's just it's a very packed day, <laughs> very packed episode, very packed day in Smallville. But anyway, if you were a Smallville resident or a Smallville High student, you would not be wrong if you couldn't keep up with Clark's vision status throughout this episode throughout these three days like you just heard he was blind all of a sudden he could see again of course we'll, we'll get to that in a second yeah that's not gonna uh, raise any red flags yep. anyone. But, uh, anyway this this scene i will say this for all the clark and lana scenes in this episode this one was pretty good i like this one yep. clark was owning his mistakes lana was reaching out uh clark kind of presumes a little too much grabs her hand you know she pulls back and has got to go so he gets he gets shut down because it was kind of selfish because <laughs> he was like well, yeah, I mean, things are different now. I don't want to be alone anymore. It's like, well, sorry, bro. You shouldn't have toyed with your emotions <laughs> so much these whole three years. So, Yeah, that was rough. The ending, that last part of the scene was uh, Clark getting a little desperate. Mm-hmm. But then we hear that sound again, like, and Clark's like, what is that sound? What is that sound? And we see that it's the tow truck um, that Banshee is driving. And, and he's like, Lana, get my dad. It's very important. And I thought he was going to, Tell Jonathan, hey, what what's that truck? That's the one that took Pete, right? But no, he he very very amusingly, I thought, jumps on the back of the truck. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I mean, I guess and he I doesn't get, have to worry about getting hurt, but it's still pretty tr- obvious. True, but then I guess you know because the tow truck has like the whole thing at the back, like the the cross that it the cross beam that it gets you know cars from, uh, that he can't see that Clark is behind him yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, Clark uh, apparently just guess is a good time to jump off 
I, I just assume he stayed on until Banshee got out of the front seat and walked into the building or whatever. Well, no, but he was the car was still moving. When oh, Clark was got it? Off. I don't yeah, it's that. still moving. I'm like, bro, you, you kind of took a risk there. Oh, they could have kept goodness, going. That's funny. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> that makes zero sense. So he he uh, he, hear, he hears him go in and he hears Pete yelling like, help, help, help. Uh, so Clark busts in, but but Banshee, you know, I guess like pistol whips Pete and knocks him out. Uh, hits him so hard, like he's, he's sitting there bleeding in the chair. Talk about brain damage on this show, right? Um, and again... Very poor villain. He's like, what are you doing? You're blind, man. Oh. He pulls out like a torch and waves a torch in front of his eyes. What would you think of this, Dan? What the heck was that about, man? <laughs> like, I, Why I, would you do that? Why would you do that? Again, this was the most perplexing writing decision. I mean, I guess I see what their end goal was here because it, quote unquote, broke up the scar tissue or whatever it supposedly did. But why would you attack a blind person in their eyes? This makes no sense unless I guess you have like a really like gross hatred of the disabled. I don't understand why this man did this. Well, I, I guess. Um, well, he, he knows that Clark. Well, he, he can see him. So what danger does he really pose? Yeah, uh, it's it's weird. And, and that and see, that's the biggest problem. That is the loophole that they find that fixed his vision. Right, because we, you know, we see that happen. Uh, Banshee runs out with Pete, but Clark, we see his vision start to kind of fade back in a little bit. And then uh, we get the commercial. We come back, and uh, Jonathan says something about like the oh, the the heat from the torch must have uh, 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 something the broken up the scar tissue. It's like what? Yeah, <laughs> like okay, so if that makes total sense to you people, why didn't you try doing that on your own earlier? Yeah, yeah, and then of course he his he says he still can't use his heat vision or his eyes or his uh, heat vision or his X ray vision, which makes sense. Uh, but you know, it, Clark is you know he, he's kind of that like double vision. You know, it's it's a blurry. We get some point of view shots from him, and Clark's like, "Well, you know, they're going to kill Pete. We can't just sit here and, and do nothing." And John's like, "Okay, but there's one stop we have to make, and it's to the optometrist." Now, first of all, they use the Smallville like hospital set, yeah, right. Uh, I'm I'm not going to count it as a hospital visit because the optometrist is not the hospital, even though they use the same set. Although, if if you think I should, I will, Dan. What do you think? See, I would say yes because it's no, they didn't even try to redress it. Like, there's not even like a <laughs> sign that says optometrist or something. It's just this hospital set. So okay, well, there it is. Yes. See this, you know, this makes up for Perry, where you did not give me the Kent truck accident for oh, the tractor. Yeah, mm-hmm. remember that? Yep, it had it had a license plate, man. But okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. It's good because I was on the fence. Now we're going the other way. I like it. Balances out. So we're gonna uh, plus one for. <laughs> hospital visit unless you're maybe right. the optometrist is in the smallville hospital which would be crazy uh, but, but but then would for sure be a hospital visit you're yeah. right it, the complete lack of effort on their part they deserve a plus yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um couldn't they just hung a sign that said optometrist That's at the same I'm, location yeah. at the jewelry store was exactly I, well, I was thinking the exact same thing yeah <laughs> all right but, but here it is man clark kent in glasses this could have been it should have been an iconic moment or turning point for this show, right? But it, it's an afterthought and an already overpacked episode. That's right, Taken, and they just blow through it real quick. What are your, what are your thoughts on this here? Yeah, I, yeah, it's weird. I would have thought that this episode is paced really strangely. Like he he's already over 
his blindness now, and we're not even to the climax. I would have thought he would have had to use his super hearing without the vision to to overcome the the final part of the episode, and then his vision comes back. Maybe it was just a timed thing or whatever. But it's weird that they do this, and then, like, yeah, you're right. Like, him getting glasses should be a moment, or there should at least be a little bit of um, excitement around it. But it's just like, no, you have these glasses now, and we'll never really show them again. So it would actually be funny if he was, like, walking down the hall, and somebody walked right past him and then, you know, gave him a double take and turned around like, oh, my goodness, you look so different with those glasses on or something like that, you know. Yeah, they did. That's a missed opportunity for sure. Maybe it's because the episode was so packed. I just feel like they completely brushed through it, and that should be a major thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or it's just a little homage here. We'll get, we'll obviously get more glasses later on, but we do, you know. But <laughs> so these are the glasses. They're not the classic Clark Kent glasses. You know, they're like glasses anyone have. Like I said, like when I got my glasses in high school, these they were these glasses. Uh, <laughs> so I guess it might have been two on those. Had, see, here's the deal, though. Had he continued to wear them from this point. They should have been like the thick, you know, big black glasses. Uh, yeah. Although, why would a teenager in 2003 or 2004 wear those? He was on <laughs> yeah. the cutting edge of being hipster. So yes. That's oh, that's true. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't quite. Th- that's the thing. Like, I think had Smallville just come out a few years later, glasses would have been like popular no. again. Right. But they, I felt like at the time they didn't want to like, you know, Oh, uh, put something on Tom Welling's beautiful face, <laughs> right? Like they probably thought, like, ah, well, we can't do that. But uh, anyway, well, Clark has glasses now for for the next like twenty minutes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but the glasses will be a conversation. We'll continue throughout the show. But anyway, uh, the next scene is Lionel and Chloe, and this scene is where she uh, flat out references that Metropolis is a three hour drive uh, because he calls her to Lionel calls her to. Uh, his office. She, he's like ignoring her, you know, and she's like, "Is this the part where I'm supposed to cough?" Suggestively, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but he's actually very intimidating here, you know, uh, because he's he's telling her that uh, that he's going to cancel her Daily Planet column, and she's like, well, "You can't do that." And and then she kind of threatens him, like, "I bet the Daily Planet would be interested in a billionaire who's obsessed with a farm boy." He's like, "Are you threatening me?" I'm like, "Oh, Lionel turned up the evil, huh?" Yeah, evil Lionel is the best. Like, John Glover is so good at it. Uh, I just, it bothers me when they do all those other sorts of things where they try to make him good or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I love when he's just 100% what Lex is going to turn out to be when he gets older. It's it's, it's, right. it's so good. And you said it earlier, he is like the proto-Lex yeah. <laughs> here in the show, and that, that is that is excellent. Now, this, I mean, this is a bold move, right? She's like, you be careful. She's like, I'll be whatever I want. And then she walks out, and you see her in the foyer. She's like, oh, my God, what did I just do? <laughs> you know, I like I like that moment there. Yeah, I like the, that whole bit because it's kind of in character for Chloe to stand up for herself, but she also recognizes that she is out of her league. And right. As, as he says, that's another Smallville, like, 101. <laughs> you're out of your league. He, he, he tells her that. Smallville dialogue 101. Yeah, as she, but as she, you know, this teenage girl walks out of this billionaire's office, she's like, yeah, oh my goodness, I, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> uh, so then our, our next scene is with your favorite character um, <laughs> at the courthouse. Jen Francisco is here uh, talking about how letting him go goes against everything that I've ever stood for, but they're gonna kill my son. And again, having a conversation like this, like in a courthouse, like with police around, like this is not. How it's done. It's not and how it's the justice system very distracting. works. Yeah. No, I, I've watched enough law in order to understand how the criminal justice system <laughs> works. And the criminal justice system, <laughs> there's 
<laughs> yeah, right. There's uh, one smasher and one grabber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Very good. Uh, but yeah, huge conflict of interest here. But she's like, okay, I'm going to go pray. And then we see uh, we see the grabber. He's like eh, 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 talking to his lawyer or whatever. Lawyer walks the, off. The lawyer, I don't know if you noticed, but the lawyer, you know, when he's talk, she's she's talking to him. And she walks away. She's got this smug, like, oh, I'm totally going to win this case look <laughs> on her face. And it's like, lady, this this judge's kid is on, on ransom for this. Like, somebody's going to die. And she's so happy and pleased with herself. Like, I don't think this counts as a win for you in your yeah. book. Yeah. You know? I mean, sometimes defense lawyers can be a little shady. But I think with the knowledge that a, a teenager is going to be killed, yeah. <laughs> it should not. I'm, I'm sure that kind of, I'm sure any lawyer even if you're like a terrible person, like you would draw the line, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. someone else being killed. Yeah. But no, that, that's, that's a great point because you know, that the, uh, well, that lawyer walks off and then, uh, and then the, the grabber pulls out his cell phone and, and calls Banshee. And it's like, all right, I should be out here in 20 minutes. If this judge knows what's good for, go ahead and take care of the Ross kid or whatever. I'm like, okay, we're going to kill him anyway. Yep. Like, is that necessary? Like why, why kill him anyway? Like why not actually release him? Um, because this is, these are the stupidest criminals of all time. They're trying to <laughs> hold their court case in ransom. Yeah. It's so dumb because first of all, they know who you two people are. Like they're, as soon as, mm-hmm. if you kill someone, they're going to come right back <laughs> yeah. after you. What the heck are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> it's so dumb. Oh man. Uh, but Clark, you know, Clark uses his super hearing, um, to, to hear, hear the phone call and we get more of these kind of weird effects as they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, again, I don't like the mouth at all. I'm glad they moved away from that. But he uh, tracks him to the junkyard. And the junkyard, this made me think of Superman 3 when he's in the junkyard. Oh, yeah. Does this make you think of that? Yeah. Especially because Pete is inside a car, inside like a crushing machine. And that is, there's like a crushing machine in Superman 3. Like the evil Superman like crushes, you know, Clark Kent in one and he busts out of it and stuff. So it's just, you know, Superman 3 vibes. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it is a cool set piece. I guess... I guess not getting an optometrist's office was worth getting the junkyard, huh? Yeah, I could see it. I could see it being worth that, yeah. So Clark super speeds up, and uh, he hears he has to use his super hearing to locate Pete because he's inside a trunk inside a car. Uh, so, I, you know, that saves the day. And Banshee tries to use his little power on Clark. And he's like, what do you... Well, it's funny because Clark doesn't know what he looks like, right? He's like, excuse me, do you work here? <laughs> Yep, yep, that's right. That was a good little bit. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here, blind man? Again. (laughs) Bad character, bad actor. (laughs) This man just has an irrational hatred of blind people, (laughs) and it causes him to do the stupidest things. I don't understand why he he acts the way he does. Well, then he he uses his little little banshee power and uh, to, 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 I guess, well, to incapacitate Clark, but it's not, you know, Clark's kind of getting his, getting his footing, and, uh, kind of overcomes it, super speeds out of the way, and then this tower of cards falls on this guy, crushes him. He's dead. Like, this is, I mean, that guy's dead. Yeah, he is. And that's a plus one for uh, Smallville High School student death because, as was established in that one shot of him in high school, he is a student in Smallville High School. So. It's it's so clumsy, too, the, the scene, because he's standing in front of Clark, and Clark is standing underneath this tower of, of squished cars that are going to fall, now, Clark doesn't have to super speed out of the way. He could just stand there and be fine. Right. But he does. And he super speeds like three feet to the left of Banshee and doesn't like try to get him out of the way at all. Mm-hmm. It's like weird. Like he doesn't try to save him, even though he doesn't need to get out of danger or anything like that himself. It's just an easy excuse to kill Banshee because he's he's 
useless now, I guess, to the plot. Right. Well, and uh, what do you what do you, what do you think the other guy thinks, uh, the grabber, about all this? Right when he finds out what happened. I I imagine a scene very similar to the one in Return of the Jedi where um, the um, big what's the what's the creature under Jabba's palace? Oh, the Rancor trainer. When the Rancor, yeah, yeah the Rancor trainer finds out about the Rancor. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> That's a great just like that. <laughs> that always made me sad when I was a kid. Oh, it is. It's terribly sad Be- because yeah. the, the Rancor, like you know, he's, he's a cool monster, and then Luke crushes it with the door, right? And then you hear it kind of whine like a like a puppy. You're like, oh, and then you see like how upset the other guy is, and I was like, oh, like that really affected me as a kid. Like Return of the Jedi, for being kind of kiddie, it has that, and then it has like the saddest scene of any film ever. Uh, where the Ewok dies, right? And his oh, other friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. His other friend goes to like wake him up, and he won't wake up because he's dead. I'm getting, I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. It's so upsetting. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a tense. That's an intense scene for sure. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, well, in the in the companion, Mark Verheiden had this to say about the uh, the climax here. The rescue of Pete could have been more challenging when he was blind and he was forced to save Pete only using his hearing. That was more challenging, but once he got his sight back, it just became, quote, let's find Pete. But basically his point is, it would have been more of a challenge if Clark can get his sight back to the end of the episode, and I agree. Um, but hey, we got we got the glasses for a little bit, I guess, you know, and maybe they want to just, again, just so much stuff happens, right? I mean, remember, this is the same day, right? Is yeah. it not, or is it, this is, this is day three, I guess, because Clark's wearing different clothes and he has glasses now. Yes. Uh, and they, they said tomorrow... That they were going to kill Pete, right? Because three. of the that was when the hearing was, hmm. and this, so as, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you said, you're right. It's like, oh my god, did you hear about Clark? He's blind. Oh, he's back at school with sunglasses. Oh, he's got real glasses now. Oh, he's back to normal. Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's not weird at all. Um, yeah. I did like though the next scene. And quick aside before that, did you notice what was on the Talon marquee? I, I, I've made it a point doing the podcast to keep an eye out for this. I did not. It said silent film festival. And I thought that's that's clever, you know, because Oh, yeah, that's that's cute. Okay. I like Although that. Although it's the opposite. Like if you were blind, <laughs> a silent film was the last thing you want to watch. Yeah, but you can kind of <laughs> see what they're going for. It it's come to my uh I didn't I didn't know this. It's kind of my attention though that uh that the marquees, they're not I always thought they'd like go up there and physically change them like like you would uh in the real world. And sometimes maybe they did, but a lot of the times they were CGI. So it was easy for them to just switch out some letters and use stock footage and do like a cool in joke or something like that. Oh, like that makes a, sense. Yeah, that like makes in sense. The, like in the episode Rush, like there's like, get your morning rush with coffee from the talent. I was like, okay. So anyway, that saves a lot of manpower. All it, all they got to do, plug in the stock footage, put in the CGI. So anyway, so that, that's the establishing shot. We cut inside. Pete is telling this group of girls, and I think a couple of guys are there, which is this group of students about how, you know, he, he that's how I saved myself from the <laughs> trash compactor. Like, oh, wow, you're so awesome. I'm going to call you later, you know. So that, that was a good moment. Actually, I like that about Pete. That fits what we know about him, and I wish we would have seen more of that in the show. Yeah, that was nice. It was a nice moment, especially when Clark, I, I liked that that little Pete Clark moment when Clark was just sitting there, like, laughing. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to, you know, try to get a girlfriend out of this. And then... uh it doesn't bother him at all or anything like that. It's it was a good little moment. I liked it. You're talking to the master truth bender. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was good. So so that was a nice moment. Immediately brought down by Chloe showing up with her. <laughs> she's she shows up and she's um, upset and like Pete was gonna get some big interview and she's like, sorry Pete, I'm dealing with a lot. Daily Planet just canceled my column. My dad got just laid off from Luther Corp. Uh, Lex is the one who did it. So Clark realizes, oh no. Using the exact phrase I heard in this conversation, I should have mentioned, has had terrible consequences. Oh, yeah. 
So he goes to Lex, and this is a cool scene. Um, this scene of Clark and the glasses, I had this. Do you, do you, remember, do you remember Live Journal, Daniel? Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I had a Live Journal for, you know, uh, when I was in high school and early college. And then, and then with the rise of Facebook and Twitter, like, kind of obviously just faded out. But this was my Clark, like, the, the, screen, the screenshot or the promo, promo picture of Clark and the glasses here in this scene talking to Lex. That was my Live Journal icon for like a year or two because <laughs> uh, like yeah clark kid glasses this is the only opportunity i'm going to see tom welling in glasses because we didn't know back in 2004 that smallville would run for 10 years and they'd force him to finally wear the glasses in the last few episodes <laughs> no we did not know that but uh, again this is clark being you know assertive here and trying to fix his mistakes you know because uh, he goes to Lex and he's like wait this is this is all wrong you know why, why did you fire chloe's dad and basically lex and this is very luther he's like it's all about positioning you know uh, they, they're basically using people as pawns. So it's it's these Luthers, and it's sad to see these normal people getting like moved around like pawns. But kind of Chloe, she this is this is comeuppance for her making a deal with the devil, really. Yeah, in a way, you kind of kind of. I mean, you feel bad for her certainly, but it's it's like man, especially when she does it. You know, when Clark mentioned earlier in their conversation, she did it at, like at an emotionally weak moment, like just in a vindictive way. She didn't even right. have to do it. She just did it to lash out. Um, I mean, that feels appropriate for a high schooler, but it's still, yeah, consequences, you know. And I feel bad for, for Gabe Sullivan because uh, <laughs> he's just, just just a normal guy making ends meet, letting Chloe's new BFF Lana live with them in their house. Now he's lost his job. You know, he's 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 lost his job and the actor has lost his job because we only see him like once more the whole in the entire run of the show. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, um. Uh, Lex does make a great point here. He's like, frankly, Clark, I thought you'd be thanking me. At least this way I was able to keep you out of it. And that's a great point, right? Yeah. I mean, Clark learned his lesson too, because, you know, just because you can hear everything doesn't mean you need to share everything. Tact. Yeah. A skill that young Superman has yet to learn. <laughs> uh, Certainly. So we, we cut back to Clark at the, at the barn and he's doing like the glasses on glasses off thing couple things I thought about here. Spider-Man. Yep. Right. Tobey Maguire, like, oh, I can see clear. I can't. You know, that that's a cool moment. Also, like, he has, like, this, like, confused look on his face or, like, a contemplative look on his face, I should say. And is it him thinking, like, oh, I look different with these? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's me reading into it, being a Superman fan. But I thought maybe that's him, like, planting a little seed about his future disguise. Maybe. Um, I could see it. But it was, uh, it was very subtle. It's a stretch, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but what do we got here? Damn, we got another Clark Lana scene because I swear, like eighty percent of season three episodes, maybe even season two episodes, maybe I should I should have a counter on that. I probably maybe I should go back and do that. Episodes that end with a Clark Lana loft scene, and this one, yeah. What did you think of this scene? Nah. This this is the, the Smallville AI script generator. Wrote oh this one. oh, definitely. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it's just. Oh, whatever, and uh, there's a new guy, and oh, okay, and yeah, it's just so man. This I never liked Lana. I never liked Clark and Lana. So mm-hmm. I I tire of this way quicker than most people. But this is in this episode. This is like the third or fourth scene of this stuff, and it's just no. I'm done. Like have something more interesting as your last scene. But this was not great. Yeah. Well, also I do like. I will say this, Clark does kind of apologize. He's like, hey, Lon, I was way out of line earlier. You know, I was kind of in a, in a dark moment. You know, when he like grabbed her hand and all oh, that right. stuff. I, I did. That was a good, that was a good moment. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, it's like, she says, oh, I met someone. I'm like, really? It's like, 
the whole Adam thing, like, they never even really, like, have a relationship. I mean, they're, like, friends and, like, have a shared experience, I guess, with physical therapy, but they're kind of hitting the accelerator on that. But again, just to, that's, that's why that character is here. It's great drama between Clark and Lana. So, but hey, better a character like that than Lex. Ugh. Hate yeah. <laughs> hate that plot. Yeah. Oh, but yes, um, they do their basic Clark and Lana thing and she leaves. And of course, of course, he uses super hearing hear a cry, right? As yep. she leaves. <laughs> yep. Just because, well, he, he can do that now. So, um, you know, instead of just being creepy to stare at her through his telescope, he can now hear what she's doing at all times. <laughs> Good thing she's not his neighbor anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now, what did you think of this Kid Rock song at the end? Oh my goodness. You know, I love this, the Smallville music like 90% of the time. And I was so jarring to hear it. Uh, I'm like, I don't remember this song. This is awful. Um, I'm glad I don't remember this song. This was not for me. Um, <laughs> but cause I, I generally, I think they pick really good music, you know, especially for these emotional end beats. It didn't work for the, maybe because I was already irritated with the scene, but also because of the music. Yeah, I, I'm glad you agree because I <laughs> I felt the same way. This just felt really out of place. Yeah, it's, it's it's Kid Rock cold and empty, and it felt like way too, I don't know, country western. Like I just it felt out of like they're not at the wild coyote here. Like I <laughs> I don't know why we're hearing like if you're gonna play that, make it fit the context. And you know, they could have put like any like generic whatever two thousands song here. And this this just didn't fit. And I, I agree, it's very jarring and surprising for, for Smallville to, to have like a, rarely do I comment that the music was a miss, <laughs> but this was certainly a miss. I'm, I'm glad you agree. We're on the same page there. But yeah, Kid Rock takes us out and we hear a lot of, we, we, we don't get the weird like zoom in or anything. Maybe they ran out of special effects money by this point. All we hear is we get a shot of like Clark turning his head um, and, and we hear Lana crying and then they play us out and, and that's the end of Whisper. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Own the third season of Smallville on DVD. Hello, Clark. I'm from Krypton. Clark's world is shattered. I'll never be who you want me to be. By the world he left behind. Get action-packed extras by the third season of Smallville. Now on DVD. Whisper got an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And the Superman Ho page, Neil Bailey gave it a 4 out of 5. So I ask you, Dan, on the letter grade scale, how would you rate Whisper? Oh, uh, I think I would give it, oh man, probably a C, mm -hmm. I'd say. Um, there's some interesting bits, 
but a lot of it's forgettable and a lot of it is really stupid setup. Uh, but the, the super hearing bits are kind of cool. Uh, and the music is terrible. So yeah, uh, you know what? I I want to, I will amend that. I'll give it a C minus, uh, slightly, slightly below what you would, uh, expect for a, uh, median level. So yeah, I'd, I'd say C minus. You know, you're right. We were just talking about the music. That's the only song in this episode. Like, there's not even another song I could be like, okay, well, at least there's this one. But, yep. <laughs> um, you know, the more we talked about it, the less I liked it. <laughs> like, you know, I watched it. I was kind of on the fence. Like, what am I going to rate this? Because there are some good moments. But overall, like, like even just even just the whole concept of, like, the, the judge ransom stuff, it's, like, completely <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In addition to all the other usually dumb Smallville stuff, right? Like, there's dumb Smallville stuff, like Heat Vision on Kryptonite, making you blind, and then the accelerated timeline for his glasses and sight and all that. And then there's, like, plot 101 dumb stuff, <laughs> you know? So, I... Man, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with you because if a C is average, this episode is definitely below average. Yeah. And I'm gonna... I'm, I'm agree with you. I'm giving it a C minus. I know that sounds rough on this one, but uh, not the best power episode by far. Yeah. C minus for you, C minus for me. We have our tally board to attend to. Uh, we have a plus one for hospital visit due to Clark getting his glasses at the Smallville Hospital, apparently, or at least the same <laughs> set. And then we have a plus one for a Smallville high school student death. R.I.P. in peace, Banshee. Yeah, so so that takes us to Banshee, right? I mean, it, it was Banshee. It was just an X-Men. Yeah. That's what Smallville does sometimes. They run out of characters. <laughs> They're like, eh, what's a what's an X-Men with the power, right? What's a C-tier X-Men that we can use that nobody will get upset that we totally yeah. ripped them off? Yeah. There well, you we, go. we had Magneto on a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, so. that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, yeah, plus one for that. So, uh, the totals of this episode are 35 hospital visits so far in the show and eight Smallville High School student deaths so wow, far. That is a lot. Hey, a lot, but still not as many as I initially thought when I made that category. You know, because the cliche is, oh, yeah, you got kryptonite freaks running around killing people and... People are dying to not know Clark's secret. And yes, there is a lot of death, but the high school students themselves, still lower than I thought. <laughs> so <laughs> even though eight people in two and a half years, man, if I went to that high school, I would be very afraid. There would be some sort of federal investigation into what's going on <laughs> into this into this tiny town. But yeah. Oh, man. And then finally, the Bechtel test is a fail, as far as I could tell in this episode. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't even. There's, uh, I guess, because you only get. Lana and Chloe, and they don't even appear with each other. Oh, and then you get yeah, and then Martha, but and Martha, she, right. she doesn't talk to Chloe or Lana. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Bechtel test fail for this episode. Well, that was a lot of fun, Dan. I, you know, even though we didn't enjoy the episode, I enjoyed talking about it with you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, and we connected it back to Star Trek a few times. As Absolutely, because well, so. that's what we do, man. So on that note, man, where can people find you out there on the internet? They can find me all over the place. I have a few shows. Um, I talk I talk a bit about uh, gaming. I talk a bit about Star Trek. But uh, if you want to find the easiest place to get a hold of me is on Twitter, at OneUpDan. That's the number one, not the word. And you're also the host of Steady Alpha 3, Steady Alpha on, 3. on the Nerd Party. Yes, on the Nerd Party Network, where we talk all things Star Trek, including both Deep Space Nine and Discovery, which we mentioned on the show. Uh, so go ahead and, and give us a listen. All right, well, you need to start watching some more Deep Space Nine, right, Dan? <laughs> You know, so I recognize them, the next I, guest star. I watch them all pretty equally, but I just, man, it's so, it, it blows my mind that I didn't recognize her, honestly. It really does. Nah, it's all good. She did look very different. She did look very different than she did on, on Star Trek, that's for sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Talking about Whisper, but next week we'll be back talking about Delete. But until then, always hold on to Smallville.
Always Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On To network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Hold On to Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On to Smallville, and you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com once again with one S. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.